This is Zombie Chickens Podcast, with two heads are better than one, even if they aren't dead. My name is Megan. And my name is Marnay. And this month is Spooky Bitch Month. Spooky Bitch Month. <laughs> or Spooktober. Or, yeah, or Spooktober. As we all know. So with the first episode, we've decided to go through the history of Halloween because we in South Africa don't really have Halloween and we don't know the history behind yeah. Halloween. We don't really celebrate Halloween. We also do not have trick-or-treating. That's mm-hmm. not a thing in South Africa. We have dress-up parties, mm-hmm. some Halloween parties, but it is just an excuse to drink and mm-hmm. that is all we use it for. <laughs> yes. A lot of people don't even dress up. Uh-huh. So we tend to dress up. We tend to dress. We love dressing up. Mm. So, but I have to say, um, the complex that I live in, they have a trick or treat for the kids. So what they do is, you write into the office, mm. and you would say, okay, you want to participate in trick or treating, and then you get like a sticker that you put at the bottom of the steps that would say your your oh, unit number, and kids can go up to that unit number, knock on the door, and you can give them treats. That is so. So they do that every year. That is really sweet, actually. Mm. I can't remember. I don't think they did it last year, obviously, of COVID. Yeah. Um, Don't know if they'll do it this year. I haven't read anything. I haven't read anything. It's still early days. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. But for those of you who don't know the history of Halloween, um, this is this episode. Yes. So we all know that Halloween is a holiday celebrated each year on October the 31st. But do we actually know the history behind Halloween? Halloween's origins date back to the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain. The Celts, who mostly in the area that is now Ireland, the United Kingdom and Northern France, celebrated New Year on November the 1st. This day marked the end of summer and the harvest and the beginning of the dark, cold winter, a time of year that was often associated with human death. The Celts believed that on the night before the new year, the boundary between the worlds of the living and the dead became blurred. On the night of October 31st, they celebrated Samhain, when it was believed that the ghost of the dead returned to earth. So we all basically know that fact about that sort of the bridge, where the bridge between the living and the dead is sort of ephemeral. Yeah, yeah. In addition to causing trouble and damaging crops, Celts thought that the presence of the otherworldly spirits made it easier for the Druids or the Celtic priests to make predictions about the future. For a people entirely dependent on the volatile natural world, these prophecies were an important source of comfort during the long dark winter. To commemorate the event, Druids built huge sacred bonfires where the people gathered to burn crops and animals as sacrifices to the Celtic deities. During the celebration, the Celts wore costumes, typically consisting of animal heads and skins, and attempted to tell each other's fortunes. When the celebration was over, they relit their hearth fires, which they had extinguished earlier that evening, from the sacred bonfire to keep protect them from the oncoming winter. Um, I don't know why I'm thinking of this, but you recall Sabrina the netflix version of it oh i haven't seen it yet um so what they have they have the yule log yeah that sort of i can't remember how long it burns 
but I do recall them having it lit up until some time. Yeah. I think off is it is it Thanksgiving though? Was it from from Halloween? Either way, but it reminds me of that for some reason. But the fun fact: Did you know that one quarter of all the candy sold annually in the U.S. is purchased on Halloween? Damn, that's a lot of candy. Mm-hmm. And I know there's a lot of people that wait for the Halloween sweets to be on sale. <laughs> the Halloween candy sale. By 43 AD, the Roman Empire had conquered the majority of Celtic territory. In the course of the 400 years that they ruled the Celtic lands, two festivals of Roman origin were combined with the traditional Celtic celebration of Samhain. The first was Feralia, a day in late October when the Romans traditionally commemorated the passing of the dead. The second was a day to honour Pomona, the Roman goddess of fruit and trees. The symbol of Pomona is the apple and the incorporation of the celebration into Samhain probably explains the tradition of bobbing, bobbing for apples that is practiced today on Halloween. Hmm. So we have All Saints Day now. On May 13th, 609 AD, Pope Boniface IV dedicated the Pantheon in Rome in honor of all Christian martyrs and Catholic feast of All Martyrs Day was established in the Western Church. Pope Gregory III later explained the festival to include all saints as, as well as all martyrs and moved the observance from May 13th to November the 1st. By the 9th century, the influence of Christianity had spread to Celtic lands, where it gradually blended with and replaced all the Celtic rites, which all Christians do. In 1000 AD, the church made November the 2nd All Souls Day, a day to honor the dead. It's widely believed today that the church was attempting to replace the Celtic festivals of the dead with a related church-sanctioned holiday. It's the same with uh, Christmas. Yeah, I know, with the birth of Jesus, but it wasn't. It wasn't. (laughs) In any case, All Souls Day was celebrated similarly on Samhain, with, a, with big bonfires, parades, and dressing up in costumes as saints, angels, and de- devils. Mm-hmm. The All Saints Day celebration was also called All Hallows or All Hallowmas from Middle English, Alomis, meaning All Saints Day. And the night before the traditional night of Samhain in the Celtic region began to be called All Hallows Eve and then eventually Halloween. Hmm. So Halloween comes to America. The celebration of Halloween was extremely limited in colonial New England because of the rigid Protestant belief system there. Halloween was much more common in Maryland and the southern colonies. As the beliefs and customs of different European ethnic groups and the American Indians meshed, a distinctly American version of Halloween began to emerge. The first celebrations included play parties which were public events held to celebrate the harvest. Neighbors would share stories of the dead, tell each other's fortunes, and dance and sing. Colonial Halloween festivities also featured the telling of ghost stories and mischief-making of all kinds. By the middle of the 19th century, annual autumn festivities were common, but Halloween was not yet celebrated anywhere in the country. In the second half of the 19th century, America was flooded with new immigrants. 
These new immigrants, especially the millions of Irish fleeing the Irish potato famine, helped to popularize the celebration of Halloween nationally. The American tradition of trick-or-treating probably dates back to the early All Souls Day parades in England. During the festivities, poor citizens would beg for food and families would give them pastries called soul cakes in return for their promise to pray for the family's dead relatives. The distinction of soul cakes was encouraged by the church as a way to replace the ancient practice of leaving food and wine for the roaming spirits. The practice, which was referred to as going a souling, was eventually taken up by children who would visit the houses in the neighborhood and be given ale, food and money. The tradition of dressing in costumes for Halloween was both European and Celtic roots. Hundreds of years ago, winter was in an uncertain and frightening time. Food supplies ran low and for many people afraid of the dark, the short days of winter were full of constant worry. On Halloween, when it was believed that ghosts came back to the earthly world, people thought that they would encounter ghosts if they left their homes. To avoid being recognized by these ghosts, people would wear masks when they left their homes after dark so that the ghosts would mistake them for fellow spirits. On Halloween, to keep ghosts away from the house, people would replace bowls of food outside of the homes to appease the ghosts and prevent them from attempting to enter. Borrowing from the European traditions, Americans began to dress up in costumes and go house to house asking for food and money to practice that eventually became today's trick-or-treat tradition. Young women believed that on Halloween they could divine the names of the parents of their future husbands by doing tricks with yarn, apple parings or mirrors. In the late 1800s there was a move in America to mold Halloween into a holiday more about community and neighborly get-togethers than about ghosts, pranks and witchcraft. At the turn of the century, Halloween parties for both children and adults became the most common way to celebrate the day. Parties focused on games, foods of the season and festive costumes. Parents were encouraged by newspapers and community leaders to take anything frightening and grotesque out of Halloween celebrations. Because of these efforts, Halloween lost most of its superstitious and religious overtones by the beginning of the 20th century. By the 1920s and 30s, Halloween had become a secular but community-centered holiday with parades and town-wide Halloween parties as the featured entertainment. Beside the best efforts of many schools and communities, vandalism began to plague some celebrations in many communities during this time. By the 1950s, town leaders had successfully limited vandalism and Halloween had evolved into a holiday directed mainly at the young. Due to the high numbers of young children during the 50s baby boom, parties moved from town civic centers into the classroom or home where they would be more easily accommodated. Between the 1920s and 50s, the century-old practice of trick-or-treating was also revived. Trick-or-treating was a relatively inexpensive way for an entire community to share the Halloween celebration. In theory, families could also prevent tricks being played on them by providing the neighborhood children with small treats. Thus, a new American tradition was born and has now continued to grow. Today, the Americans spend an estimated of $6 billion annually on Halloween, making it the country's second largest commercial holiday after Christmas. Damn. $6 
billion dollars. That is insane. Mm -hmm. Halloween has always been a holiday filled with mystery, magic and superstition. It began as a Celtic end of summer festival during which people felt especially close to deceased relatives and friends. For these friendly spirits, they sit places at the dinner table, left treats on doorsteps and along the side of the road and lit candles to help loved ones find their way back to the spirit world. Today's Halloween ghosts are often depicted as more fearsome and malevolent and our customs and superstitions are scarier too. We avoid crossing paths with black cats, afraid that they might bring us bad luck. This idea has its roots in the Middle Ages when people believed that witches avoided detection by turning themselves into black cats. We try not to walk on the ladders for the same reason. This superstition may have come from the ancient Egyptians who believed that triangles were sacred. And around Halloween especially, we try to avoid breaking mirrors, stepping on cracks in the road or spilling salt. So this next section I just thought was quite interesting because it's matchmaking and lesson and rituals because that's normally what happened around Halloween. Mm. In particular, many had to do with helping young women identify their future husbands and reassuring them that they would someday, with luck, by next Halloween, be married. Stupid, really. In 18th century Ireland, a matchmaking cook might bury a ring in mashed potatoes on Halloween night, hoping to bring true love to the diner who found it. (laughs) In Scotland, fortune tellers recommended that an eligible young woman name a hazelnut for each of its suitors and then toss the nuts into the fireplace. The nut that burned to ashes, rather than popping or exploding, so the story went, represented the girl's future husband. In some versions of this legend, the opposite was true. The nut that burned away symbolized a love that would not last. So which one do you base it on? (laughs) (laughs) I assume it's what you decide. Yeah. Another tale had it that if a young woman ate a sugary concoction made out of walnuts, hazelnuts and nutmeg before bed on Halloween night, she would dream about her future husband. The, The last one that I have here is young women tossed apple peels over their shoulders hoping that the peels would fall onto the floor in the shape of the future husband's initials. Mm. Try to learn about the futures by peering at egg yolks floating in a bowl of water and sit in front of the mirrors in dark rooms, holding candles and looking over the shoulders for the husband's faces. I've seen every single one of those um, superstitious beliefs in uh, movies and TV shows. In movies, I, I I can't remember, but I've seen it in where media. you throw the uh, the apple peel behind your and then you see and also sitting in the mirror. I know about the... the apple peel, but yeah. I don't know about the mirror, and I didn't know. I don't know about the egg yolk, but the <laughs> but I know about the mirror and the apple peel. Yeah, that's quite weird, though. Yeah, isn't it? quite weird. The funny thing is, is that. So I know the story with the apple stalk is that you turn it and then you would recite the alphabet Ah. and on the alphabet letter that it breaks, that would be the initial of your future husband or boyfriend. Yeah, we did that as a child as well. And I know in school and I know that game where you play... You know the the where you you know, what's a, you know what's a funny thing? I don't eat apples, so I never did it. Oh, you know the um. Those little paper things to be made. Um, it's called a. It? It's called. 
There was like this paper thing where you <coughs> write on the in you fold the paper so it makes like a little contraption and inside each section you put a different like a color a name a phrase or whatever mm. and then you do the and there's numbers as well yeah so if you choose a number you're like one two three four and then you open that one and then it's green and then you i, I can't even remember what else but yeah we. i used see. to put jokes in there or like yeah. riddles I used to be like, you're ugly. <laughs> what are you looking at? <laughs> like, shaming him. Like, <laughs> at least put riddles in mind. And then on the, if you go up further, it's like, I'm only joking or like something like mm. that. Kidding. <sighs> but not. <laughs> well, I was like, uh, as other fuck you, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what it's called. It's a little, it's, it's like a... Um, Everyone knows it when they see so it. So like a little diamond shape almost. It's a trap, tree, tra- tra- trapoid, trap. What's that? What's that word? A trapoid. Oh, but you've never seen the the third season. This is way off topic. Yeah. But you've never seen season three of The Sinner. So they use the fortune teller, and what they do is they have the numbers on the outside, and yeah. on the inside they have the uh, colors, and then when you open it, it has directions. So, meaning it shows up, down, left, right, or whatever. Because they would say, okay, um, one of the things they did was they, they jumped off a bridge. Okay. And to choose if they were going to jump off the, bit, the bridge, they would do that. What? So, is this so it's, it, was a way of, it was a way of living randomly. Yeah. Or randomness. Yeah. It's like using an eight, uh, eight ball, you know. Mm. Okay, so they call it a folded paper game, a fortune teller, paper fortune teller. Uh, there's so many different names. I think every person, region. every re- region uses their own names. Like mm. we, we call it a quackerki. Yeah, but <laughs> that's such a weird name, a quackerki. It's because obviously it looks like a little beak, and then mm. it quacks. So. It's technically quackerky, quacker, but yeah. So it's basically that. So it's like it almost looks like a little beak. Mm. But if you know what it is, like you know, when you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we used to play with those things as well. We used to do the um, the stem of the um, apple, calls mm-hmm. the stalk of the apple. Mm. Um, and twist it and whichever alphabet you end on that's the name of your and there was a different one as well there was like that your address your where you live there's something like that as well and then you get the initials of the person you there's all these little games that's Hmm. yeah and then you add 20 and you minus this (laughs) and you do that it's just such a weird combination things but I don't know why children are so obsessed with finding their, like, other half. I think it's a sort of, um, a superstition that's passed down. Definitely. But now, now I'm trying to think, do adults keep on, te- like, do they tell the children, like, oh, you're going to meet someone one day as well, you're going to meet someone one day as well, 
or is it from like media we consume but even when we were younger when we really didn't consume that much media Mm. it it was still so prevalent in our lives Mm. like you have to get married find someone or not like just find someone yeah that's it that's it that's so that's sort of the problem with us being you you know in the middle we literally grew up you know, still playing outside yeah. until the street lights went on. Yeah, but we also had TV and mm-hmm. all those medias. and But we didn't have, like, social media like the mm-hmm. youngsters have now. I mean, we grew up with dial-up. And I personally didn't have dial-up at home because it was too expensive. Yeah, we didn't have... We had dial-up later years when I was still... When I was, like, late... Um, high school no like like early high school uh, late primary school then we started we got dial up we got internet mm. um, and that took forever yeah but we also didn't really have we didn't really have internet uh, we didn't have a cell phone until I didn't have my own personal cell phone till I was I think about 15 maybe 14 and it was only purely the reason why we got a south one was because we lived on a farm Mm. and we didn't have a landline Mm. so that was the only way we could could communicate with our parents Mm. see i got a my own personal cell phone and nokia 3310 by that when I was about um, 13. But it was like a hand-me-down, hand-me-down, yeah. hand-me-down. And the only reason why I got it is so that I could, you know, communicate with my father that yeah. lived, you Far know, about away, yeah. two hours away. Yeah, so it was a... We had a cell phone before that. When and I also, was, sorry, and also for emergency yeah. emergency cases. We had one of those Sony Ericsson bricks. I can't mm-hmm. even remember the... Like, with the little antenna. <laughs> oh, would we, we had, had to pull it out before your phone? Well, no, no. That was the that was the fancy one that had the attached one where you oh, didn't have to pull it out. Oh, God. Okay, yes, yes, yes. you were going for the fancy one. That, that was the newest ver- newer version. <laughs> so we had that one when we were about... Um, that was when we just started, when we just um, moved to the farm. And my parents, both parents worked. So we were in the um, daycare after school. Mm. So that was our way of communicating with our parents if something goes wrong. And we only ha- we only used it on emergencies. Literally couldn't do anything else on it. It was mm. only for emergencies. And was technically my brother's but not really it was a mixture between our both but because my brother was older he was the one that had it mm. and then only when i was 14 15 we i got my own phone mm. uh, but it was we my brother and i both had the same phone because it was one of those cell phone bundles that came out <gasps> and it was like a motorola don't i don't even know what but it was a small phone and it had like a little blue frame around the screen I remember. And it was, it was. It had a little screen when you close it, when you open it, it had another screen, right? No, 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 no. no wasn't no. a flip phone. No, it wasn't flip phone. It wasn't flip phone, but it was one of the first um, color screen phones. Oh, Jesus, So Megan. we actually had a color screen phone. 
And there was this game on this phone, completely off topic now, but there was this game on this phone that we fucking loved. Is where you you start off as a little tiny fish and then you need to eat smaller fishes and you get bigger and bigger and then you eat the bigger fishes and then uh-huh. and then you need to try to stay alive and be the biggest fish, but the bigger fishes can eat you as well. So oh. you're trying to get to become the biggest fish so you can eat all the fish. But if one of the bigger fishes touch you, mm-hmm. then you die. Do you know what I miss? I miss the days we had to buy the news, the, uh, a magazine. Yeah. And you need to pay like two rand to get a screensaver. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can you remember? Fuck, I remember that. Damn. So for those people younger than us that can't remember this. So back in the day in the magazines, actually any magazine, yeah. they would be at the back of the page. There would be this small section of screensavers you could buy. Yeah, a screensavers as well as... Um... Ringtones. Ringtones, yeah. So it was cock expensive. Yeah. So I remember back in the day, two rand, where two rand now is nothing. Two rand was actually quite a lot. And Qu- five rand. Was a lot, yeah. Or they also had, they had those advertisements on TV as well, where you uh-huh. message like three, six, four, 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 and then you can get this bundle of yes. screensavers yes. and... Oh, God, the times, dude, the times. I miss that. Yeah. It's so much simpler. Yeah, so we had, yeah. I We can at least say we grew up in a really good time. Yeah, we, we and, grew up. Sorry, but can up. you remember? Mm-hmm. There was this time. I don't know if you can actually do it now. But I know there was this time, and it was very big, that if you phone someone, you can personalize the ringtone that they wake for. So it's yeah. not like beep, yeah, yeah, yeah. beep, it would play a song. It would play a song, yeah. I remember that. The whole tone, they could, uh-huh. it plays a song, yeah. I remember that. That was cool. I think mine was like, I think I did some 41 or something like that. <laughs> I don't have it. I don't have one. I had one at one point, but I forgot that I had one. I can't remember. But anyway, yeah, so completely off topic, but... Mm-hmm, from Halloween to from, cell phones. From Halloween to cell phones. So, uh, yeah, that was the history of Halloween. I've mm. learned a lot. I hope you listening also learned a lot. Mm. Um, especially the South Africans listening, which I think there is some South Africans listening. Maybe. Whoever is listening, just... Drop us an email. Drop us an email. <laughs> so, no. Um, yeah, for those people that don't really celebrate um, Halloween, I hope this informed you mm. the history of Halloween because it is quite interesting for especially because we didn't grow up with it mm-hmm. um Halloween was definitely not a thing when we were younger no it only started it literally be- started recently yeah it only started becoming a thing when we were like towards end of high school I'm gonna maybe say middle high school I actually want to say way after high school no like we, we had, had parties, parties but it was only because we were interested in it. That True, was the it only wasn't thing. A thing. We, were the we only didn't ones. hear. We didn't hear True. about everyone else doing Halloween parties. That it was is very true. People would do like dress up parties, yeah. but they wouldn't necessarily do a Halloween, a Halloween party. party. That is true. Yeah, we were we were quite interested in it, mm. and we usually were the only ones that did the party. Like there wasn't mm. usually a lot of people, and we would did. dress up. Yeah, so that is actually true. Yeah, it was closer to like twenty, maybe like. 2012, 2013. See, I still did it on high school before I met you. 
we did it in in my old school so Marlies, our mutual yeah. friend she would literally the whole house yeah would be dressed up so in the front yard she made like tombstones Aww. with like random people's names that's really cute and if you walk into the hallway it would be like draped it was draped with like yeah. black fabric yeah, but they always go all out for parties. you know all this stuff you had all the you know the little trinkets um, and what, snacks snacks and things you can eat with is um you know it's like all Halloween based. Oh, I really want to do like a full, full Halloween based, like making like fingers, mm-hmm. and I, I want to do that. I, I've, I have like a whole Pinterest board, which is just like <gasps> Halloween themed parties. So um, I really want to do something like that. And I, and I remember the one time I went as an old lady. Yeah. That murdered a husband. <laughs> Don't can't forget about that. Murdered the husband. Uh, so I took some of my grandma's clothes and put like, you know, powder uh, in your hair, powder in my hair, makeup. Oh my goodness. Oh, I don't think I have a photo of it, but that was fun. But yeah, so let us know about your favorite Halloween memories. Mm. Um, you can also you can follow us on all of our social medias at Zombie Chickens Podcast. You can also support us on Patreon. It starts from $1.50. And then if you have any suggestions for future episodes, you can definitely email us at zombiechickenspodcast at gmail.com. And thank you... For listening. For listening. (laughs) And being a friend. And being a friend. That's that. Cheers for years. Cheers for years.